Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by special guest David Matthew Borns. David has written 15 novels, seven short stories, three collections of poetry, and more than 60 stage plays that have been performed in three languages and 12 countries. In addition to David's writing career, David is also a director of marketing and communications. His literary work has appeared in 100 publications. David has an extensive bio, so we're going to be talking to him about that and how he got started in all this, as well as how he fits all this into a 24-hour day. So, David, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, why don't you start off by giving everybody a little bit of background about yourself? Sure. I <clears throat> was born in, uh, it sounds so formal. I was born in a long time ago. I was born in Torrance, California to uh, working class parents. My father was a police officer for many years. My mom uh, had a great love for music and ended up creating her own underground hip hop uh, R&B record label. So music and arts was always a big part of my my growing up existence. I originally grew up in Northern California, spent a lot of time also in Chicago, my favorite city, and and so forth. And now I, I live in Denver, where I, I work in higher education. Um, but yeah, that's I have four younger brothers. Got to give a shout out to the brothers. <laughs> so <laughs> that's pretty much me in a nutshell. I write all the time. <laughs> well, let's talk about that underground hip hop label. Yeah. that was created by your family what was that like and did it ever spawn any yeah, famous my, people that I, we know i don't know but but my i wasn't involved in it too much i have to tell you but my mom and my brother the, my brother right after me uh started it together my brother i believe ran like the jazz division part of the record label my mom took care of all the underground r&b hip-hop acts that she signed my mom worked in a record store way back when we record stores were a popular thing for many years. And she's always had this beautiful, deep love of music, especially uh, R&B, hip hop, that sort of Motown was a huge influence on my mom. So um, when I remember she called me up one day and said, you know, I love music so much. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, I went and started my own record label. And and she did it for many years and, and it was great. And she worked very hard at it. She traveled a whole lot, as you can imagine. And my brother helped a lot with her with that, too. And then um, she's retired now, but she she gave a lot of uh, artists an opportunity and a a great musical home uh, when when a lot of people did it. So I know there's a a lot of respect out there for her and a lot of appreciation. (laughs) So uh, well deserved. Absolutely. So let's talk about how do you get into writing and when did you get started in writing? Why is this so passionate for you? Um, God, that's a great question. You know, I really, I really enjoy writing about ordinary people experiencing extraordinary circumstances in their life. 
that's my go-to always as a writer, as a storyteller. Before I was a writer growing up at a very young age, I was a I was avid reader. I read, I mean, I read the back of the cereal box. I read everything I could get my hands on. I just loved words and language and the meaning behind them. I have my second grade school teacher to thank because uh, she asked all of us to write a short story for Halloween in my second grade class. And I turned in a five page mini epic uh, with a very emotionally complex female lead character. And she kept me after class and I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> so she called my mom and said, I think, I think there's some writing potential here. And she really encouraged my mom to foster that. And she did my mom, you know, being such an appreciator of, of all things creative. And so my mom, uh, we didn't have a whole lot growing up quite honestly. So my mom saved up and she got me a secondhand typewriter and and gave it to me and I didn't know how to type so I had to teach myself how to type it my mom knew I just needed the tools and the resources to be able to to try it and so I published my first short story when I was 15 um, I had a great literary mentor named Donna Cummings who was a writer herself and sort of took me under her wing at a young age uh, and and uh, UC Berkeley published an anthology called Across the Generations. I, I lived in the Bay Area of Cal in California at the time when I was a teenager. And um, that's where my first piece was published. And, and shortly after that, I continued to publish more and more. And I've never looked back. And now, 30-something years later, I've um, you know, been very, very fortunate along the way. It's been a great, very rewarding, challenging, certainly at times, journey. But uh, you know, you along the way, you 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 recognize those who are helping you, and then when you get into a place to be able to pay that forward and return that, uh, I think it's really important to do that, which I certainly try to do and tried to do and continue to do. But the, the writing um, for me, you know, I love the creative part of the writing. I love uh, creating characters from scratch and just building their existence and and finding out what makes the character work like what what is it about what's the spark about the character what 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 do they love what do they hate what do they have hidden underneath their bed that they don't want anybody to know about like i just love all of the intricacies of discovering a character um, which is why i write a lot of character-based fiction and stage plays and scripts and so forth so i'm always drawn to people and their stories and interestingly enough like I don't know if this happens to you, but like I'll go into a grocery store and meet perfect strangers and they'll tell me their life story. <laughs> so I don't, they don't, they're not aware that I'm a writer, but uh, you know, I'm drawn to stories and stories are drawn to me, if that makes any sense. So uh, they find me, they find me. And then I figure out what are the ones worth, worth retelling. So uh, it's, it's a great, fun, exciting life. I have to tell you, I'm very grateful for it. Well, I'm definitely drawn to stories. That's all I do on this podcast is get people's story. So let's talk about your story of writing more than 60 stage plays performed in three languages in 12 countries. Kind of tell us about those stage plays and what is it like to know that your stage plays have been performed in more than 12 countries? It's a really, it's kind of surreal. I have to tell you, like sometimes um, 
not too long ago, a couple of, of my short plays were produced in Guam at a college in Guam. And so, and because of the time difference, I'm, I'm, I'm asleep in Denver while the plays are being performed in Guam. And it's such a strange thing to think that your art is being produced and performed and presented uh, in another place, another space, another culture, another language. Um, but that's what art does. I think it just, it just breaks through barriers and creates the universal connection that good art does. Um, the plays, writing stage plays and theaters was was and is will always be my first love as a writer. Um, I um, fell in love with theater at a very early age, more from a performing standpoint. But then when I got to college, I started to to really look at the scripts. And I remember I was a student at a community college in Sacramento, and they were having a one act play festival, and they wanted student playwrights to submit their work. And I thought. Well, I know what a play looks like. You know, I, I, I've been an actor before. So I remember I went to the school library because I was so, I wanted to get, I wanted to get the structure, the template of the play down correctly because I'd never written one before. And so I, I tried my hand at, I took a short story I'd written in, in high school and it was called, Are You All Right In There? And it's about a young girl at a, at a, she's in high school and she goes to a party, a victory party after a football game at someone's house. And she locks herself in the bathroom and she talks directly to the audience in the play. So she breaks the fourth wall and just talks about being a teenager and growing up and having a strained relationship with her mother and so forth. And I thought, well, I don't know if anything's going to come of this. So I wrote it. I turned it in. I, it got picked as one of the three plays. It was produced there at the college as luck would have it, a man was in the audience who ran a theater company not too far away from where the college was. And he commissioned me to write an evening of short plays, um, which I did. I didn't have, <laughs> honestly, I didn't have very many plays at that point in my life, my young life, but I wrote them and um, it ran for six weeks. And then from there, just more opportunities came. That play, All Year Right In There, became my first published play, a wonderful company in New York called Play Scripts. Uh, gave gave that play a home and and then and then from there I've since worked with six different publishing companies with my with my stage plays um, every time somebody produces or performs my stage plays I it's a blessing and I feel very grateful for it that something I wrote and created and imagined is being presented on a stage somewhere in some form uh, you know theater is such an interesting form of art it's live it's there it's happening it's in the moment. And there's such a beauty to that and such an energy to that, that I really hope that um, I'm able to fill my, my words on the page uh, with deep meaning translated to the stage. And uh, I write a lot for women. I write a lot for, um, I, there's a lot of diversity and inclusion in my work. I write a lot for people who don't always see themselves on stage or hear their stories on stage. I think it's, I think representation is everything. I think, uh, when audiences see a version of themselves on a stage, it can create a really palpable connection and a feeling of belonging and, and self and worth. So all of those things are very important when I'm writing plays. Um, and I look to a lot of uh, playwrights too that that uh, influence my work, both contemporary and, and no longer with us kind of playwrights, the legends, if you will. Um, but, you know, um, Tennessee Williams is a huge influence on my work. I, I love his work uh, a lot. Uh, Katori Hall, who's a phenomenal playwright, um, is a huge influence on my work as well. So 
Yeah, and just the theater itself is just such a wonderful community globally of, of artists and storytellers. And what I love the most about theater and writing for the stage is the collaborative mission, the, the collaborative spirit of theater that you bring in actors and designers and a director and everyone, and then you bring in the audience and everybody has this shared experience, which is so unique to theater. It doesn't happen a lot in other art forms. So um, glad to be a part of it. I'm very, very glad. And yeah, many more new plays coming. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm working on one currently. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Well, let's talk about, you've also written five screenplays with an award-winning film. So talk about those screenplays as well as that award-winning film. Yeah, thank you for asking about those. Um, my, I, I, I wrote it when I was back, way back when I was an undergraduate student in Chicago. Uh, I was a student at the theater school at DePaul University in Chicago. I, I didn't have a whole lot. I, was, I didn't have a whole lot of money and I didn't have a computer of my own. So I, I wrote a full length play in the computer lab at school because it was the only place I could write. And I wrote a, sh a full length play called Frozen Stars about a young uh, Latina Mexican American young woman coming of age in a small town uh, in California. And she's the first person in her family to graduate from high school, first person in her family to, to be accepted into college. And there's a tremendous amount of pressure on her to sort of live out the unfulfilled dreams of the people around her. The play was produced in a very small blink and you miss it theater. Like, I'm a kid you not, it was under the freeway underpass. That was where the theater was that this play was produced. And there was about six people in the audience, I think, every night. But one night, a wonderful woman named Belle Hernandez, actress and advocate and journalist and so forth from L.A., happened to be in town for a film festival and came and saw her play, came and saw Frozen Stars. And she went back to Los Angeles and wrote about the play in a publication called Latin Heat, which is uh, sort of like the Latin version of variety in the, in the entertainment industry. And three weeks later, I was in Miramax's office. I mean, it was crazy how that happened. And so Frozen Stars became my first film. Uh, I, I adapted the stage play into a screenplay. We worked with a subsidiary of Sony. It became an independent film. Um, but we got great distribution, uh, thanks to Netflix DVD. Very appreciative to them. But my leading actress was Lana Paria, who went on to be the evil queen on ABC's Once Upon a Time and has had a great career. But it was her first film, my first film. I wasn't supposed to direct Frozen Stars, but the director that they had hired pulled out about three days before production and took another job. I don't remember where or what happened, but so the producers called me and said, you've got to direct this movie because you're the only one who knows this story. And uh, I said, I'm, I come from theater. And so I, I have to tell you the first day on the set, there's trucks and crew and people. And I would literally go up to people and they'd introduce myself to them and say, hi, I, I wrote it, I'm directing it, who are you? And they'd say, I'm so-and-so and I'm the gaffer. I'm like, great, what do you do? And so it was such a, it, it was learning on my feet, which I think sometimes is the best experience. Um, and the film, we finished the film, we shot the film on 35 millimeter, which was great for an independent film. Um, it did well in the fil indie film festival circuit. We had a great premiere of the movie at the Directors Guild of America in LA very well attended event. And, um, and then it, and it kickstarted Lana's career. It gave me 
as a screenwriter, a tremendous amount of credibility and um, opportunity. And after that, I signed with an agency and, and so forth. And, and then that's kind of what kickstarted my, my screenwriting career. And um, since then, I've gone a little bit backwards and I've done, I've written a couple of short films, one of which uh, is the Dutch title of it is Wagon. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly because I'm not up on my Dutch, I have to tell you. But it was based on an English script that I wrote called Boxcar. It's a, it's a play about two young men in high school and, and, the, and they, they're misfits and they don't fit in and they're, they're connecting with each other. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story. I turned it into somebody, a, a, a director in Philadelphia who directed the play said, you know, you should think about turning this into a short film. And I said, okay. So I wrote, I, I adapted the script into a short film script submitted it to a couple of film festivals and then it won a, an award i won a writing award at a film festival in amsterdam and so flew out to amsterdam and i when i was there at the film festival i met Koen haver who's a very celebrated dutch filmmaker and he fell in love with the script and before i was back on the plane to america he had had made me an offer to direct the, the movie version of it and I said absolutely and so that became the Dutch short film wagon which has done very well at European film festivals they got great distribution for it uh, and he's gotten a lot of acclaim for it and the script um, I I've been very fortunate to receive a lot of awards for that particular script so it's a project that is near and dear to my to my heart <laughs> as you can imagine uh, and so yeah and so and I've been very lucky that Five of my scripts have been have been turned into films, and so it's uh, it's always interesting to see your words transform, translated into something for the screen. Uh, it's a great great experience for sure. You've also written three collections of poetry, and also fifteen novels. Kind of tell us about that as well. I work with a wonderful publishing company called Kayal Publishing. They're based in LA, female-owned publishing company. Really extraordinary, wonderful people to work with. Uh, they've given my my novels a terrific home. They published my um, my recent novel, my young adult novel titled Marijuana Mermaid, which has done very, very well. Uh, very excited about the response to that. It's just been phenomenal and great. They, um, when I wrote Marijuana Mermaid, I have to tell you, I, I spent 20 years, 20 years of my life working on that novel. And when I started to shop it around to agents and publishers and so forth, um, the book's pretty provocative in the sense that it really looks at, examines like female teen rebellion and racism, classism and uh, gender roles all through the eyes of three teenage women. You know, some people were concerned about the subject matter and that it was for teenagers. And, but Kyle took the risk. They took the risk on me and it paid off in a beautiful way. So I'm very fortunate to work with them and have such a great publishing home for my novels. Uh, they're also publishing my next novel, which is a holiday romance called The Everlasting Gift, which I'm very excited about. Um, it's about a young uh, Latin woman, Mexican-American woman named Charlene Vega, who's an aspiring music teacher and gets the opportunity to make a, a huge difference in the lives of many young people by going back to where she came from. So I cannot wait for that one to come out later this year. But I've been, I've published my first novel of, uh, about 15 years ago. And so uh, on an average, I've published one or two a year since then. So many more of those coming. Um, novels are tough. I have to tell you, I think out of all, because I write, as you said, I, 
I write in different forms. Not to say that one form is necessarily easier than the other, but novels are very time consuming. And so, um, and they take so much focus and a lot of energy. I always feel like, I feel such a sense of relief and accomplishment when a novel's done, but I also feel exhausted, like quite honestly, like emotionally, physically, like when you finish writing a novel, you're just spent, you know, all of your energy, it's all on the page. But yeah, and then the poetry, I've been writing poetry, gosh, since I was like 20, 21. I love poetry, I love reading poetry. Carolyn Forche, Langston Hughes, huge influences on my poetry. I write very confessional free verse poetry. I'm not a formal poet in any capacity, but I have respect for those who, who write formal poetry in a huge way. But yeah, I just, you know, it's, um, all of it kind of ties back to like, I'll get, I'll get a spark of an idea. And then, and then I'm like, okay, is this, is this, is there enough here to tell a story about? Is there a story here to tell? And then my next step is always figuring out what form. Is this a stage play? Is it a movie? Is this a novel? Is it, oh, is it a poem, short story? And then trying to figure out what the best form is to tell it in is fun, but challenging for sure. And so, um, and a lot of my work has been adapted. My, uh, certainly my stage plays have been adapted into film and so forth. So you never know that somebody might see more potential in, in something you write to adapt it into a different form. So that's always, it's always exciting when that happens for sure. In addition to your writing career, you are also the director of marketing communication. So talk about that. What's that like? And how did you get into marketing communication? And how do you have time to do all this stuff? <laughs> that's why, that's why I, uh, that's why I'm tired. <laughs> uh, it, it, there's, you know, I'm one of those people that there's, I always say there's not enough hours in the day. Probably about a decade ago, I got to a point that I want, I, I'm one of those type of people that I just want to experience and do as much as I can in the time that I'm given to do so. So it really, I found that I needed time management. I had to really, like literally my schedule is like down to the minute kind of thing. The reason being is in order for me to do all of those things that I need to do, want to do, or even sometimes when I have a deadline required to do, uh, the time management is critical. So before I get to the marketing stuff, I just tell you really quickly, I'm up very early every morning doing the writing. I write a thousand words a day, not always good words, but they're at least words getting on the page. And the reason why I do that is because uh, I will find a million reasons not to get the writing done, quite honestly. I get the writing done first thing so that it's done and it's out of the way. And then on the weekends, I go back and reshape and edit what I've written throughout the week. Um, marketing, uh, marketing communications. So I was a teacher for many years. I was a teacher for 15 years of my life. So I've always, well, not always, but I've worked, spent many years working in higher ed. I'm a product of, of higher ed and I love community colleges. So that's where I got my start as a student and I love them for many reasons. So I work for a community college here in Denver where I live, great school. And the teaching kind of evolved into marketing and they kind of fed each other a little bit. Um, my undergraduate degree is in communications with an emphasis in public relations. So I've always been interested in marketing and, and different versions of it, especially integrated marketing. And as an author, a writer, you know, knowing marketing and knowing how marketing works and, and that sort of thing is very helpful in terms of marketing my own my own projects and other people's projects too. So um, yeah, I've been at it for over 20 years now. I started out as a copywriter, which came from my love of language. 
And uh, then I just moved up to senior copywriter and then eventually to a director. And I uh, really enjoy that. I have a great team where I work and no two days are the same. Marketing is very exciting and certainly presents its own challenges too. But um, it's great. I mean, what I, you know, every day I go to work, I find ways to um, connect with prospective students to lead them to uh, options for themselves that can change their life for the better through, through school. So it's very rewarding on many, many levels. So enjoy it greatly. Marketing's a, marketing can, constantly gives back to me in so many different ways. So I, I like it a lot. It's a good fit for me. <laughs> so let's talk about, I know you talked about you had a novel coming up. Let's talk about any upcoming projects or your upcoming projects that you are currently working on right now that people can expect. Yeah, thank you for that. That's that's very generous. Um, uh, the Everlasting Gift comes out later this year. Right now I'm working on a horror thriller novel called Death Do Us Part. It is about a female serial killer who's obsessed with becoming a bride and she targets unfaithful men and terrorizes them uh, in very clever ways. So uh, it's pretty dark, pretty scary, pretty spooky. Uh, very excited about that. Uh, and then I'm also working on a dance themed romance called Dance Break about a young girl, inner city girl, who's uh, not girl, excuse me, inner city young woman who is uh, uh, about to change her entire life by taking a risk and entering a huge dance competition. So uh, all about family and, and she's recovering from the grief of the death of her mom and, and so forth. So Dance Break and Death Do Us Part of the two projects I'm working on right now. I'm also working on a new uh, one act play called I Bet She Has a Party to Go To. And it's about, takes place in a park and a city park and a group of women who are mothers who are there at the park, different ages and different lifestyles and so forth, become sort of obsessed and fascinated with this very free spirited young woman. And they are envious of her freedom and what that entails and that the choices that they've made in their lives um, to get married and have children and so forth, the ideal of freedom has changed for them as, as a result of that. And so they are sort of um, transferring all of that wanderlust onto this stranger that they don't know. So it's an interesting piece. It's very theatrical. It's told in scenes and monologues and so forth. It's, it's a female, all female cast in the play. So very excited about that. That comes out later this year too. And I just had a book of poetry come out called Crimes of My Nature. Uh, and it's a, it's a, it has poems in it over the last 20 years of my career as a poet. So sort of like the greatest hits and sort of like a box set of poetry. Uh, but it's, it's, I handpicked all of those poems with my editor. I was really particular about what poems were gonna go in that collection. It's very autobiographical. It's kind of like a poetic memoir uh, in some ways. Pretty dark at times, but definitely uplifting and so forth too. But there's so much of me and my experiences uh, in that in that particular collection. So, and it's doing it's doing well. So, I'm always happy when people respond to anything I write. Talk about how people can check out your work, throw out your contact information, your social media links, any way people can get in touch with David Matthew Bowen. So best place to find me is on my website, which is dmatthewb.com. Uh, that's spelled D-M-A-T-T-H-E-W-B.com. Um, all my information is there. I am on almost all social media channels, including LinkedIn, 
love to connect with other writers and other artists and readers on social media, Instagram, I'm there, Twitter, Facebook, uh, you name it. So love, love to, to do that. All of my links to those social media channels are all on my website as well. Uh, and also I'm on YouTube too. So there's different videos of me reading stuff from my different novels and plays and so forth, poetry. But yeah, no, I, and also too, if I can help anybody, any writers out there that are just starting out or have questions about what, what a writing career feels like or could feel like, I, uh, you know, I'm a teacher at heart. So I'm always happy to, in any way I can, uplift people to the next level because certainly people have done that for me. Um, so please, if that's you and you have questions about, you know, taking your writing to the next step, I always encourage people to reach out because I will always make time to help. You have any final thoughts before we close it out? Um, well, yeah, I just want to tell everybody to, um, if, if you, for the aspiring writers out there, just to write with no fear, to, to tell your story. Everybody, everybody out there has their own story to tell and, uh, you know, only you can tell that story. So I just want to encourage everybody to, to share their story whenever possible, because we, we need everyone's stories out there and just to continue to be good to yourselves and to each other because we need that right now a whole lot and uh and thank you to you for having me on I, I appreciate it it's such a great opportunity to talk with you and and share all that I do well I appreciate you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on listeners please be sure to follow rate review and share if the listening and android listeners go to the google play store type in living the dream with curveball and download the podcast app. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. dream.